Z of Movies. My name is Colin. I'm the C. Joining me is Zijan the Z. Hello, Zijan. Definitely much better now, Colin. <laughs> it is much better. I, uh, let, do we need to explain to our audience what that means? We, or we, just a, uh, we probably do. This is our third time recording this, guys. Yeah. Um, today we're talking about Creed 2, or as it feels like, Creed 8. Um, <laughs> At the moment. Uh, there's, the, there's just some technical difficulties on our end. The pains we go through for you, the audience. I know, I know. Um, imagine we told you an exciting anecdote about how we were recently dressed as Winnie the Pooh and Owl and walking around the streets of Bristol. Yeah, it was such a good one as well. Of course, we spoke about you being mistaken as a penguin. And Eeyore. Eeyore. There and was, now, there was some debate gone. as to whether we'd won or not. It was great. Anyway, uh, you're losing all that, but we might talk about Anne Hathaway and we might do a quiz on Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese. And much, much more. And much, much more. Um, oh, boy. Um, you know, the other day, my brother, he does a podcast um, called Tea or Books, and he and his friend, um, who does he do that? Rachel? Kirsty, Whoever he does that podcast with. I listen to it every time. Anyway, um, <laughs> they, they recorded the entire podcast, or at least they thought they had. It turned out they hadn't. So they had to redo the entire thing. Oh, that's painful. Yeah, that so at least we're not in that position. Not, not can yet. You, can you edit that so that it sounded like I knew who he did the podcast with? <laughs> is it either Rachel or Kirsty? Is it either one of them? Or Maybe. I'm, I'm just going to spout random female names right now and hopefully... Yeah, I'll just, I'll just list some, some women's names. Um, Rachel. Definitively Rachel. <laughs> there we go. Uh, we start, as we always do, with news. What have you scraped out of the barrel for a season? It's been slow. It's been a slow two weeks. Um, the first bit of news, and again, um, with news, this is like deja vu all again because I've said this already. <laughs> but imagine I have quotation marks around news because it's not really news. I'll act surprised. Don't yeah. Worry. Okay. Good. Um, so Sony has set uh, release dates for two as yet unnamed Marvel films in 2020. Sony have set release dates? This is amazing news. This is not amazing news in any context, <laughs> Colin, even as I said it for the third time round. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess this is so boring that even in my scrapes together news, I left it off. But um, Ven- Venom and, and Morbius, right? Wait, uh, Venom too. Jared Little would be in the Morbius. I, uh, I, I don't know why we and spoke about that because I couldn't remember Jared Leto signing up for Morbius, but maybe I was we, we, mistaken. We did talk about it because I made a hilarious joke about Morbius strip. I remember it well. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true. That was so funny. Getting, getting flashbacks now? <laughs> no, not really, but yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, uh, Venom 2 made um, lots of money. Uh, Venom, the first Venom made a lot of money, even though we didn't like it that much. Um, it was, I think it was better than we all thought it was going to be, but still not great. No, definitely not. But because but he made a lot of money, China. that's all that matters, right? And it, it's part, partly partly based in Malaysia, so you were, I remember being phenomenally excited. Um, yeah, apart from the fact that they drove on the wrong side of the road. But, uh, the road which uh, I thought was hilarious. Uh, um, to be honest, I reckon the Venom sequel could be good. If they make it kind of like the last 15 minutes of Venom, uh, which is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, um, I get that. I get that. And I can see where, where you're going with that. So, who knows? It's one, it's one of those films that... A bit like The Last Fantastic Beast, although Fantastic Beast was a lot better than Venom. You kind of think, yeah, I like this. It's, it's flawed. I think they'll get better next time. Although, I guess with the DC universe, pretty much every film, I thought, yeah, they're getting there. They'll get it. They'll nail it next time. Um We'll find out soon, I guess. Well, if they have two films out in 2020, Marvel is pretty quiet for 2020, aren't they? Uh, well, they've got three films, haven't they? they got Captain Marvel, they've got Galaxy. Avengers. No, that's 2019, oh, yeah. that's next year. Oh, sorry, what, what year did you say? 2020? Yeah, 2020. Um, yeah, I don't know, actually. Yeah, because you say Guardians is probably being pushed. Um, it's probably Black Panther 2. What, Black Panther 2, I think, might be 2021. Oh, okay, uh, so... Spider-Man, is that next year or is it? That's, that's the coming year, that's next year, yeah. Okay. Yes, I wonder. I mean, I guess they, they don't want to give away too much because of, of who they're killing off next time. So I'm sure they've got three blank space, spaces waiting. Yeah, I guess yeah. that makes sense. Maybe it's the Doctor Strange 2 sequel. Yeah, that's coming, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, um, speaking of Marvel films... Um, it's really a Sony Marvel film, so we've got uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse comes out uh, very soon, well, in nine days here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting rave reviews, uh, so much so that Sony have already um, uh, set up a sequel and a spin-off to it. Wow. 
So um, the sequel, obviously, sequel uh, spin-off. I think they've. I think they've said it's going to be female based. It's almost certainly going to be Spider Gwen, um, who I think is well, obviously the biggest female character in this. There's a weird kind of Japanese robot Spider-Man character. That's well, there's a Japanese girl and there's a robot, I think, or something. Anyway. No, there's there's Spider Woman. But I mean, it, the ones who have appeared, the ones who have appeared in these trailers. Oh, okay. Because um, the Spider Woman is an actual character, and who 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 is part of Avengers as well. Okay. And she has quite a good um, arc in the in the comics. She's quite quite she plays quite important okay. roles in uh, in certain arcs. Yeah, so maybe we'll see that. But um, my suspicion is it'll be a Spider Gwen on the basis that she's featuring fairly prominently in this campaign. And yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, and I yeah, I say I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. It's, um, it looks the trailers look great. It's nine days, right? So next nine days, or, or as the as you the public listen, uh, six days maybe, <laughs> depending on when you when this goes out. Yeah, um, uh, maybe seven. Maybe I've got my days slightly out. I think it's on the twelfth anyway. Okay. So well, yeah. I mean, chucking out a sequel before the film's even released shows a degree of confidence that although it is Sony. Who like to who like to plan their Spider-Man sequels with confidence that is not always deserved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that still, so looking, still looking forward to that Sinister Six movie. Uh, oh, poor Sony. Well, yeah. they deserve a break. Maybe they should just focus on animation from now on. It'd be interesting to see how this does actually, because I think there's there's still a view that animation is for kids, um, and obviously a lot of the time it it is, but. Yeah, this looking at the, the trailers for this, it doesn't look like it's skewing towards a younger market than any any other superhero movie would be. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see how it does at the box office. I don't think it's going to be a billion dollar film, but um, I think it should do pretty well. Uh, I still watch uh, some of the any animated series of uh, the the DC universe because they're really oh, yeah. good. They they tell really really good stories, and it's nothing like it's nothing like the films themselves. Um, the the. I mean, I, I know you're not a big fan of animation, Colin, but um, you should have a look well, at. It. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like some. I, I I've never seen the Batman series, but I have seen um, Killing Joke film that that they made, mm. the kind of spin off, which was which was fine. I think it wasn't particularly well received by fans. Um, and I've played a bit of uh, uh, Batman Arkham City, which has got the same voices. Really? So, mm. I did. Uh, what you play video games, Colin? Well, not really. I play FIFA, and I, I, I've heard that this is great, and I was in a shop that was selling it for £2.50, and I thought, I'll give that a crack. Okay. I am terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I mean, it means I get my money's worth, I suppose. <laughs> so on, on easy level, it still takes me ten times as long as anyone else to, uh, to get through. <laughs> it's okay, Carly. At least, at least you're branching out. Yeah, mm. that's fun. Um, what else you got? Uh, more DC stuff. Uh, Blue Beetle movie is in development. Yay! Which features our uh, first Latino superhero to headline the movie? Okay. Um, is is Blue, Be- Blue Beetle traditionally Latino? Uh, I think the original one was uh, White Caucasian, but the recent comics, um, he's Latino. But that's because okay. um, Blue Beetle is more. It's it's this weird scarab thing that attaches to the host body, a bit like Venom kind of thing. Okay. Um, and allows the the user to manifest a powerful exoskeleton, fly, and project energy. Um, Am I right that Blue Beetle normally turn, teams up with someone? Uh yeah, he he. So Blue Beetle in the comics was in like the Teen Titans and the, you know the the the, oh, the, yeah. the, the Junior League, you know. But um, I think, um, I'm not too sure how old they're going to make Jamie Reese Rice Race. I can't pronounce. I'm not too sure. What is that the, the alter ego? Yeah. The, okay. Yeah, um, I'm not. Too sure how old he's going to be, but he is he's a teenager. Be 20, 28. They're always twenty. <laughs> yeah, playing a teenager, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I think he's a teenager in the comics right now. So um, maybe they'll go down the whole Shazam route. But, oh yeah. But yeah, uh, if they do a Shazam, it's it's going to be the same thing, isn't it? Like teenage kid discovering powers. Isn't that all Sony's? <laughs> that's, that's, well, until they do their Living Vampire, which is going to be. Uh, and I suppose Tom Hardy must be. Uh, God. 40 is he? I don't know. Late 30s. I don't know. Um, what do we got here? Um, speaking of DC, uh-huh. um, Julie Andrews apparently is voicing a character in Aquaman. Wait, what? I think. <laughs> I may have dreamt that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Julie Andrews is so, voicing a character in Aquaman. <laughs> like, 
those two, you know, this those two things don't go together. No, it's very possible I've got that wrong. Um, but I think it's because obviously we've got Mary Poppins Returns coming out um, at Christmas, which has gotten superb great. reviews. Yeah, um, but weirdly, they haven't confirmed a Julie Andrews cameo, and I am convinced. Absolutely convinced that um, that Julie Andrews is going to be in it. No, she's not going to be in it. We, it's, she's, it's been confirmed. She's def- she's, they're lying to us. Zina. Why would they lie to us? They're lying to us. She's definitely in it. Why, why would they lie about it. a cameo? About so it's so they get so so it's even more exciting when it finally happens. But you you know the news, right? Like Julie Andrews um, didn't want a part in it because she wanted it to be Emily Blunt's film. No lying. Yes. Okay. Of course, Colin. Because you have an insider somewhere. You 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 know Julie Andrews very well. You guys are best yeah, friends. Me, me and Jules. Um, to the extent that I may or may not have got correct which film she's uh, <laughs> voicing. She's doing a voice in. I'm I'm just googling this now to make sure this is actually true because it does. Now that I say it out loud, <laughs> it does seem unlikely. Uh, well, but it's, it's gotten great reviews. Um, the Mary Poppins returns, so I'm yes. really looking forward to it. Really, really looking forward to it. Even more so now than I was before, and that's quite hard to beat. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I say I'll, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I, I, I don't know. I, just, I think it's gonna be difficult to recapture that uh, one-off magic. Um, but when that Julie Andrews cameo happens, Zijan, I'll be punching the air in the cinema. <laughs> Uh, okay. He's shouting, I told you so to everyone who's around me. Okay, good. Um, yep, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Julie Andrews has a surprise role in DC's Aquaman. Yes, what? It's Poppins versus Poppins as Julie Andrews reveals secret Aquaman cameo, says Collider.com. <laughs> that is. No, no, that's. <sighs> Atlantis is alive with the sound of Julie Andrews, says Vulture. These guys, these guys have nailed this. Um, wow. I bet it's just a line. I I find it really weird that they're they're just casting this now because I mean I know that I'm just going to be a CGI character I guess but you thought you'd have lined someone up a bit sooner than this yeah exactly and the thing is there's so many characters in our comment as it is like what what are the chances we'll hear a lot of Junior Jude Andrews under the sea under the sea that's that's a different uh, that's a different song you're thinking of um, I would I would love it if Julie Andrews starts singing in this film she hasn't sang for a while though she not no because she had a voice operation didn't she. Oh, did she? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why she she has gone off um, musical theatre, which is a sad thing for musical theatre. That is sad. Mm. At least we've got that Mary Poppins cameo to look forward to. <laughs> Just because you say it very many times, Colin doesn't make it true. I, I don't know. I think we're um I think we're quite influential in the uh, the movie game now. We've been doing this for two and a half years. I think I think Hollywood listens to us. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Please. Something that's definitely true. Okay. Keanu Reeves is appearing in Toy Story Four. He is, mm. and that's it. Do we know what? Do we know what he's doing? No, nope, that's no. all I need to tell you. Okay. Apparently, his character um, is quite similar to Buzz Lightyear's character. Okay. Um, I I'm not sure if this has came out this last couple of weeks, but I discovered it. Um, you know, Forky. The um Forky is the new new character in Toy Story Four who is uh, a spork. With pipe cleaners for for arms and some weird googly eyes. Uh huh. It's been put in the trailer. Apparently, Tony Hale is voicing him. Um, Ooh, okay. Who uh, listeners might know from uh, Arrested Development as Buster, I think his name was. So there you go. <sighs> <laughs> I like the long pauses when we are trying to work out whether slack. the news is worth mentioning or not. Slack week. Here's something that's worth mentioning. Uh, the Birds of Prey movie that's coming out has got an official title. Uh-huh. Uh, you thought, I thought, we all thought it was called Birds of Prey. Uh, but apparently it's going to be called Birds of Prey or the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Uh, give me your thoughts on that, Zijan. <laughs> uh, we don't have to pad off this po- podcast, Colin. <laughs> we can just do a 30-minute podcast. I'm quite happy to do that. I'm really happy to do that. Uh, <laughs> Um, okay, good, 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 good for them, I guess. I mean, like, I, no, I have quite strong thoughts about this. Wait, to be honest. Okay, go on. Why do you have strong thoughts on this? I think it's utterly terrible. Um, I, I don't want to become one of those guys on the internet who who hears something about a movie that's not coming up for two years and then moans about it. But I'm going to be. That's a, that's an awful title. It's just it feels so corny, kind of knocked together in a in a PR room. 
fantabulous. I don't know what they're trying to do there. And they're putting together some long words to make it sound funny, and it's not working. I don't like it. Just call it Birds of Prey. Hmm. Well, Those are my thoughts. Yeah, clearly, clearly you don't have enough um, um, clout in uh, <laughs> the, the, the DC universe. If not, you could have no. told them to do this. Yeah, and uh, and see where it's got them. Uh, but maybe I'll go into the cinema and ask for. I'll, I'll have a ticket to Birds of Prey or the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, please, and see what happens. <laughs> uh, I, I'm pretty certain no one really cares. <laughs> it's like it's like um, you know the Birdman. Birdman he had a very long or name the, as well, and no one knows the unexpected virtue of ignorance. Yeah, however. and no one knows its 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 names in brackets because it's in brackets. I did. Well, apart from I did. Apart from you, Colin, who who you need this for pop quizzes. Yeah, fair enough. But, but uh, this was annou- This is the new way that film titles are announced now. It was announced via Margot Robbie's Instagram. <laughs> who you? That's how news gets out there. Which you follow? Uh, I think I do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we should we should move the podcast onto Instagram get to pick up some millennial listeners. It depends on uh, what we're trying to. You know, Instagram is a picture place, right? Some yeah. pictures, right? Yeah, um, we can do um, video clips now. Yeah, no one's going to listen to it. You could you could put into the same dedication as you do to our Twitter accounts. Yeah, no one's definitely people are definitely <laughs> not going to listen to that. At CZ of Movies on Twitter, if you want to uh, see the very little effort we put into that. <laughs> do, do you have any more news? Uh, uh, Kingsman. Oh yeah, the great game that's set in the twentieth century. Um, apparently, Daniel Brew. Is joining it. How is he? As oh, is cool. uh, Charles Dance, who I'm not too sure who he is. Uh, uh, he's an old man. Okay. <laughs> he's an old British man. Um, I think he might have been in Dracula and Hall. I'm not sure why that's my immediate Charles Dance reference, but uh, I think he was. Uh, Matthew Good is also in talks. Uh, and so is Reese Ifans. Ifans? Ifans. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone's called Ifans this week. He's also in talks. Uh, that's a great cast, to be honest. I, I'm a fan of Matthew Good. I think he does great work. Um, and Daniel Brawl must be the baddie. Is, is it, it's set during one of the world wars, isn't it? Yeah, it's set. Yeah, it's definitely set during First World War or something. So Daniel Brawl is definitely the baddie. <laughs> yeah, he plays a lot of baddies. Uh, Charles Dance um, apparently is in uh, Game of Thrones. And he's in uh, Downton Abbey. And he's been in lots of films since 1974. All so British actors are in Game of Thrones and Downton Abbey, Colin. Uh, that is... With the exception of myself, uh, true. Mm. Apparently, he played the Prime Minister in an episode of the Mission Impossible TV series. There you go. He's been here for a while, then. He has been. A, he's been around the block as Charles Dance. Yeah, because I, I know Tan Edgerton's confirmed that he's not going to be in it. I mean, it would be weird if he was in it, to be honest. Because <laughs> uh, he's like takes place many, many years before he was born. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I had a bit of an interview where he's saying he's he's not done with the Kingsman uh, world. He wants to do more. Um, but not this one. Yeah, why not? Um, given how badly the new Robin Hood is doing, yeah. he may need that. Poor lad, but he's got Rocket Man coming out soon, or next year. That's going to be good. Um, the only other news, again, I think this is a bit older than this uh, Fortnite, but I hadn't, we haven't mentioned it. Um, I don't think is uh, Shrek is being rebooted. I don't think we mentioned that. Wasn't we? it two weeks ago? This seems like old news. It is old news, but I don't think we mentioned it. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm scraping the barrel. Um, it's back. Pretends to be with the same voice cast. So that sounds a lot like a sequel to me rather than a reboot. But there you go. They're calling it a reboot. So much enthusiasm for it. I mean, I love the first track. I thought it was brilliant. But it just... Yeah, I had fun with the first one. Yeah, the, the sequels just didn't capture what the first one did well. No, they, I, 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 I think I've seen the second one. I saw bits of the fourth one. But yeah, no, they definitely... I, I would not unless there's something very exciting going on here, I'm not going to bother watching that one mm. um, any more news uh, one last bit of news um, you know Pasek and Paul who Pasek and Paul the guys who wrote the music for La La Land oh yeah and the guys who wrote the music for The Greatest Showman yes um, they have a musical um, on Broadway right now which is doing uh, very very well called Dear Evan Hansen which okay. is actually moving to London next year as well and it's going to be a film yeah, right. Um, so the the musical, um, I actually saw it. I went to New York and uh, saw the musical. Right. Um, it stars uh, Ben Platt, who you may know from Pitch Perfect 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, in Pitch Perfect 3. Um, and he won the Tony Award for uh, Best Actor 
for his role uh-huh. in Dear Evan Hansen. So they're going to make it in a film, and it's going to be produced by the guy who produced La La Land, who is apparently Ben Platt's father. Yeah. Well, there you go. Mm. And, and Ben Platt is moving across to the, the big screen, is he, for this? Uh, most likely, but the, the film, uh, the, the musical is about a teenager, and it talks about teenage suicide. So oh, wow. I'm not too sure how he... I mean, he, they prob- he probably could play a teenager again, but he's like 26 now, so... Okay. Uh, who knows? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Speaking of greatest show, I mean, this is um, apparently uh, Hugh Hugh Jackman is going on tour. Yeah, I know, I singing, saw that. Singing the songs for it, which is brilliant. He's doing so. He's called the greatest show. I think he's doing greatest show. And he's doing a bit of Les Mis. I think he's doing some other stuff as well. Uh, uh, but that that sounds like a great night out. Hugh Jackman uh, singing the hits. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a true showman. So yes, um, greatest showman is still doing very very well. Yeah, yeah, and it's I I, I listened to a couple of because they've just um, re-released the album of song by different people. Um, I, Is it good? I listened to one or two. Well, I, I, I say I listened to a couple. They, they didn't feel different enough. I think it, I always think that if you're going to redo some songs, you've got to really change them a lot, as opposed to just kind of doing the same orchestration. And they sounded quite similar, really. So, I'll mm-hmm. give that a miss. Uh, we move on to our famous and well-spoken-of segment uh, to see or not to Z, uh, where Zed and I talk about films that we have recently seen and tell you, the listener, whether you should see them or whether you should not Z them. Uh, have you seen a film, Zijan? No. <laughs> Jolly good. Yes, I haven't seen any film. I have been very busy, and I'm trying to keep this podcast down to 30 minutes, so you have 10 more minutes to <laughs> go, Colin, to go through everything. Um, well, let me start. At the... Now, I, um, I'll, I'll quickly mention that I've, I've, I got around to watching Teen Titans Go to the movies, which was fun. Oh, yeah, did um, you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. Yeah, it was good. It's good. Um, I won't. I won't talk about that one. I will still talk because we. Um, if you if you want to know uh, Zijan's thoughts on that film, you can go back to whatever podcast that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, it's quite short, eighty minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. but I love all the references though. Yeah, a lot of um, poking fun at DC's movies yeah. and stuff. Uh, but no, I watched a film called Brad's Status, which is on Netflix. Um, I've heard of that. Out, Why have I heard of that? Uh, stars Ben Stiller um, with Jenna Fisher. And, and I can't remember the name of the main or the son of Ben Stiller's guy. Ben, ben Stiller's the main guy. Um, it's got Michael Sheen, um, various others. Uh, it came out in the US towards the end of last year. Came out over here at the start of this year. As I say, it's on Netflix now. Um, it's basically about a guy having a midlife crisis. So Ben Stiller's character is kind of he's, he's very dissatisfied with his life. Um, his son is about to go to university. Mm. But it's a lot of him kind of thinking, what what could I've done better? All my friends from university are so much more successful than me. They're kind of running companies or the um, um, you know have glamorous models all around all this. Um, and then he yeah, he goes off with his son and learns a bit of a lesson. I I think it's one to miss. To be honest, don't 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 see this one. It's um, right. it it's not badly acted. I think it's, it's fine. I just think it's the whole premise. Just doesn't really ring true. So, so Ben Stiller's character, he's, he's yeah, he's married to Jen Fisher, like he's got a loving wife, he's got a great kid, he's doing pretty well for a non-profit organisation. Um, but he's just such a horrendous person. Because you think, oh, it's I'm doing okay, but I don't have millions of dollars, and I, I'm not world famous, and blah 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 blah. And I just think I can't, I can't have any sympathy for this character. He's got a great mm-hmm. life, and he's just moaning. Um, so I think if you don't have any sympathy for him, and, and it's obvious that that's the way the film is going, is that he can say, oh, actually, I, I'm counting my blessings. And it's not quite as hackney as that, but it's, it's going that way. But I think just from the off, it's so clear that he's got a great life and should just shut up um, that it's a bit annoying to watch, to be honest. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, good. Good to know. One more off the list. Yeah. Um, let's move things around a bit um, because we bumped Anne Hathaway from last... Last time, I think it's only fair we uh, we push her ahead of the main topic this time. No one bums head and head away. No, apart from apparently we did. <laughs> uh, so uh, our segment, Actor Factor, where we talk about the films of a particular actor uh, and sometimes even decide the best and worst of those films. When we feel like it. Off? When we feel like it. Um, so yeah, Anne Hathaway, um, I think she's quite a versatile actress. I think I first saw her in The Princess Diaries. Oh, yes. A very young Anne Hathaway in The Princess Diaries, where... Your good friend Jules was in as well. Yes, she uh, she she took my advice on that when I said <laughs> this Anne Hathaway girl's going far. Make sure you get in on that. Yeah, said. Um, yeah, um, and is for those who do not know, it's basically Anne Hathaway, a teenager in America, who discovers she's a princess in a foreign country of a, of a vague European country where the Queen has a British accent. Yes, 
Uh, but some of the royal family have German accents, if I remember rightly. If I could be getting that wrong. Very bizarre. Um, but yeah, it's an enjoyable I've film. I've seen this, yeah. Hmm. I, I've read the book, actually. Oh, really? Um, it, I'm, I'm reading my way through the BBC. The BBC did a big read, 100 best books, and this is on the list somewhere. So, um, make a cabot, I think. Uh, it's nothing like the film. <laughs> For example, <laughs> in the book, she never leaves America. Oh, really? Wow. Um, so it's all a bit weird. And it's, a, it's all kind of as a diary. Huh. Anyway. And there's a sequel as well with Chris Pine in it, wasn't it? That was Chris Pine. I've not seen the sequel. Mm, well, me neither. But yeah. Um, so that was when Anne Hathaway established herself as like a girl next door. She does comedy very well. Yes. And I would never saw Ella Enchanted, but that was the next one, wasn't it? Yes. One of her big ones up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And after that, she broke out into more dramatic roles because she was in Brokeback Mountain. Oh, yes. Which yeah. uh, I, everyone knows I love. Um, and she she plays uh, the wife of uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, yeah. So right. isn't a isn't a big part because I think um, obviously it was more focused on Heath Ledger than Jake Gyllenhaal uh, characters, and even Michelle Williams, um, Heath Ledger's wife in the film, uh, also had a bigger part than she did. But I think okay. it was her trying to go, um, you know, Anne Hathaway exercising her dramatic chops. And that that was before Devil Wears Prada, was it? That was definitely before the Devil Wears Prada. Okay, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I'll jump in. There's a Devil Was Devil Was Pride. Obviously, I think that's the first time I, I, I think that's the first film I saw her in. It's certainly the first time I noticed seeing her in something. Maybe because I'm most, I, yeah, that probably was the first time I seen her because she, she had the starring role in that where she was uh, assistant to uh, Meryl Streep, who I think won an Oscar for it or certainly was nominated for an Oscar for it. She's nominated for everything that she's in. This is very true, apart from Ricky in the Flash. Uh, yeah, well, I think she felt this was a bit of a stat. I remember she was she was advertising Bride Wars at the same time, because it came around the same time, and basically fairly openly uh, dissing uh, Bride Wars while she was uh, while she was publicising this one. It's yeah, it's going kind of Stanley Tucci was uh, was sprung to fame. Emily Blunt, that's got a great great cast. Yeah, that, well. that was the first time when Emily Blunt got properly noticed actually I think yeah yeah so I think yeah well for all three of them it was I mean Stanley Tucci have obviously been around for a while but I think that was kind of he lifted his profile quite a lot and you say Amy Blunt uh, who was did she play that American I can't remember now no I think she played a British, um, she British the British yeah. assistant but yeah I, I enjoyed the film I think it was, uh, it was it, again it was it was quite fun <laughs> to watch um, and they had uh, Becoming Jane after that where she played Jane Austen um in a film that basically just says that Jane Austen, that everything that happened in Pride and Prejudice happened to Jane Austen, seemed to be the idea. So all her relatives would be saying those lines. They're all fairly clearly archetypes of those characters, um, which is a bit odd. Yeah. Actually, maybe the first thing I saw, maybe the first thing I saw in was in Get Smart, the one with Steve Carell. Yeah, which is quite fun actually. It was a kind of hapless spy, and she's the spy's paired up with him. It's quite formulaic, but I thought it was very well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, she uh, did some. She did Alice in Wonderland with Tim Burton as the White Queen. Oh, yes. um, it's a Tim Burton film. It's what you think, <laughs> what what you expect from a Tim Burton film. Yeah. Uh, and then she did One Day, which I know you loved. Um, I loved. I loved the the book. I think I I more defended it really the the film because it got it didn't do well critically and a lot of people complained about her accent in particular and I thought that I thought she did pretty well I thought yeah, she I, did I, okay I, for her accent as well um, the Scottish accent right uh, uh, Yorkshire but um, oh really <laughs> maybe not then <laughs> so maybe it wasn't that good <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was, she was supposed to be kind of sounds Yorkshire some of the time even in the book she kind of floats in and out of it because she's moved away from Yorkshire some some time ago I mean she yeah they, they go to university in Scotland I think. Um, I think, yeah. No, I, I thought that was that was pretty decent. I've only watched it once, so. Oh uh, well, I, I'm I'm not particularly fond of the book, so. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's how I thought about the film. Uh, after one day, the next thing I saw her in was The Dark Knight Rises, where yep. she played Catwoman. Um, uh, which I I really enjoyed her performance. To be honest. Um, yeah, she did really well. Yeah, I would say of the Catwomen, she is the best. She she probably is. Um, and in, in that film itself, I, I really enjoyed. Her as as one of the new characters, she's probably one of the better ones. Yeah, definitely in that film. Um, and then it's her Oscar-winning role in La Miserable mm. as Fontaine, mm. uh, where she basically was weeping and crying and singing with snot coming down in front of a camera. She was very uh, very powerful in that. Yes. Very and effective. <laughs> I think I was crying so much as well while watching that bit. Mm. Very very good. Um, 
So yeah, because she, she certainly took on some big films. They were on Interstellar not long after that, mm-hmm. um, which is not one which, of our favorites. I think we've mentioned many times before. Yeah, not not a huge fan of that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, I had Ocean's Eight earlier this year, which at the time I thought was okay, but l- looking back, I kind of very forgettable. I think definitely forgettable. Um, there's Colossal as well. Yeah, that's a weird film. That is a weird film. Well, I quite like it because it's different. I like what they're aiming at. So, so for those who haven't seen it, um, I don't think it's worth spoiling it too much because there's some good stuff that um, the, the trailer I think spoils a bit too much. Mm-hmm. But basically, um, yeah, she goes back to her hometown and, and uh, there's big monsters attacking things, and she she discovers that the monster is moving in line with what she's doing. Mm-hmm. But it, I think that's a fantastic premise for a film. I think it gets very, it kind of turns on a, on a six minutes. I won't go into it- details, but just kind of, kind of changes. Two or three times thematically, but such a huge change in the middle. I know what you mean. Like I can't yeah. say anything without spoiling it. So I think it was well acted, but I think the script let them down a bit. To be honest on that one, uh, we've both seen the intern for some reason. Yeah, that's awful. Um, <laughs> it's not great. It's it's better than I thought it was going to be, but yeah, not good. Um, uh, Nicholas Nickleby apparently she was in. I don't remember that. Um, that that's a good film. I did good adaptation, starring Charlie Hunnam and Jamie Bells, and it. it's very good. I can't remember who she is in it, to be honest, but uh, apparently she is. That was before Devil West Prada, so it wouldn't have been a big move. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Don John, I've talked about before. I mentioned it here, but apparently she was in it very briefly, but she, she did Don John and then did a film called Song One. So I like the idea of doing Don John Song One. It's <laughs> your um, consecutive films. Good for her. Uh, so what would you say is your favourite of this list? Uh, Broadway Mountain, again. Okay. I'm going I'm going is. And your least favourite? Least favorite, uh, it might be Valentine's Day. Oh, mine is Bright Walls. We don't okay. doubt. There you go. Um, next time on Active Factor, we'll be talking about the films of Johnny Depp, haven't? Um, which we haven't done before. Oh, really? Wow, yeah. that's surprising. No, I was surprised. I felt like we had. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but apparently we haven't. So uh, that's what we will be doing. Uh, when I just was using it last week, it fitted in nicely with the crimes of Grindelwald theme. It fits in less nicely now, but there you go. Mm. Okay, let's do it. Um, and we move on then to our main topic today, um, Creed 2. Uh, the sequel to Creed, the sequel to Rocky Balboa, the sequel to Rocky 5, the sequel to Rocky 4, the sequel to Rocky 3, the sequel to Rocky 2, the sequel to Rocky. Um, before we crack into it, I think we may have covered this back when we did the Rocky quiz, but briefly, Zizan, what, what is your, your your Rocky history? Nothing. You've not, have you not seen any of the Rockies? Nope, I saw Creed. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I have no... I, I Yeah, I really have no knowledge of Rocky, the Rocky series whatsoever. Okay, mm-hmm. that'll be interesting to see how we do this. So I, I love Rocky. Rocky is one of my top ten favourite films. I think it's fantastic. Um, I've seen all the all the films... I think four and five I've only seen once each. Um, I think, yeah, I've seen either two and three, two or three times probably, and, and Rocky Balboa I've seen a few times, which came out a bit later. Uh, and Creed, obviously. So the, a, a lot of this, um, this is no secret, uh, plays off Rocky Four. So Rocky Four is where um, uh, Rocky fights uh, Ivan Drago, played by Dolph Lundgren, and, and the basis of this film. I know it's you, usually you who says the plot of the films, Ejan, but since you've not no. seen Rocky Four, No, I, I don't mind. Happen. I don't mind. Yeah. Um, so this uh, in, in Rocky IV uh, Dolph Lundgren's character Ivan Drago kills Apollo Creed um, as played by Carl Weathers uh, and now Drago's son uh, is fighting or wants to fight uh, Creed who obviously is Apollo Creed's son so it's got dum, a lot dum, of dum. Which be, I said I've seen Rocky Four once and it was 12, 13 years ago something like that um, so it's not it's not a film I have phenomenal knowledge of and, I, and you're coming to it with no knowledge at all pretty much yep. so uh, uh, but yeah, um, let's, shall we? Should we start with the characters? As yeah, as no. I was going to say before before we go to the characters because we oh, usually yeah. do a yeah. non-spoilers and spoilers part of this. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. But the thing is, like, is I don't think there's anything to spoil in this film. I'm not too sure. I think I think there's one thing to spoil potentially. Um, really? Because I think I think there is. We'll, we'll come on to it. Yeah, because um, um, from my point of view, and I'm going to say this right now up front, it's a sports film. Yes. And sports films tend to follow the same trajectories. Um, that's not unfair, particularly boxing films. Especially yeah. boxing films, yes. Actually, I was going to say this, but let's, let's go into this first of all. Because um, I, I say I've watched all the Rocky films, and this, to me, feels a lot more like one of those 
than than Creed did. Um, so to explain what I mean, so, so first Rocky, I say, fant- I love that film, great film. But um, as the films went on, they kind of had a lot. They're very very formulaic, and sometimes the outcomes would be different. But basically, it would be um, Rocky is uh, he's got a challenger, or and and he's yeah maybe and usually he's there's some risk of injury. Mm. Um, so one one of them he's kind of hurt his eye. One of them yep. uh, he say oh yeah you you might be you might die if you get hit here. Blah, blah, blah. Yep yep. Uh, he's quite often. Uh, his wife, um, Adrian, doesn't want him to box for some reason. I think one of them, she was in a coma. One, one of them, she was begging him not to box. Blah, blah, blah. So he'd have stuff going on in his personal life. Um, he'd Sometimes he would fight and lose quite early on. Um, he'd go into a massive training montage. So then he'd fight and win. And everything would be great. Yeah, see, I, I, so as, uh, as I said, I haven't seen any of the Rocky films. But yeah. when I went into this film, I already predicted that was probably going to happen in the same yeah. course. Of- and... It's a shame because that's not what happens in the first Rocky. Um, so spoilers for the 1976 film Rocky. Uh, but at the end of Rocky, he he loses. That's the kind of the, the big ending. And that's what happens in Rocky Balboa as well, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of them follow that strategy. And and it it works. I think, I mean, I say four and five, I don't think are great. I know a lot of people love four. Um, but I think I think it works for that character. But Creed, I think the genius of the first film, Creed, mm-hmm. was that whilst it was playing in this world, it, and even had similar kind of plot points along the way it wasn't it didn't feel like it was just rehashing the same rocky tropes yes yes i i get that <laughs> even yeah i definitely get it 100 percent. even though i've not seen any of the other rocky films it, yeah. it, it definitely felt the first creed definitely felt different and this this creed is exactly what i would think a rocky film would have been yeah. like and, and it's interesting because I think Sly... So Ryan Coogler in this one, he was still executive producing, but he wasn't directing. And I think Sly he, um, Stallone was planning to direct and, and didn't in the end, but I think was probably more involved uh, in the, in this one than he was in the previous one. Mm-hmm. And and maybe there's some of that coming out. Um, yeah, and, and to be honest, I, jumping to this already, but I, I had a good time with this. I, I enjoyed it. No, me I, too. I think it was, uh, I think it done well. No, I'm not dissing but, it for, yeah. for anything. Yeah. Like, I mean... Like I'm just saying that it's formulaic. That's it. But I found it extremely yeah. enjoyable. Like I was, I was very moved by the performances mm. in this film. I really was. Um, so, let, so let's get into performances. Then. So we've got Michael B. Jordan, uh, obviously as as Creed. He, uh, oh, he's he's amazing though, Michael B. Jordan. He's such a good actor. Yeah, right. he he's going places, man. This guy, he's like, uh, I mean, he's good. He's so good in all those fighting scenes, but all those softer scenes when. It was him and Tessa Thompson. They were just yeah. brilliant. Like I love the chemistry between him and Tessa Thompson. Yeah, they yeah. make such a convincing couple. Yeah, and it's great. so um, as as long time listeners will know, I I kind of I do a kind of film awards thing on my blog every year, and I and I gave Michael B. Jordan Best Actor for the first Creed, and uh, it's weird because when you do in a sequel, you're doing the same thing again, and he's he's not doing it any worse than he did last time. No, but I guess because but he's still phenomenal, and, and uh, as you say, I mean it, it's, it's no secret he's going places, but. Yeah, he's going to win an Oscar, and I don't think it'll be that long before before he does. It won't be for this, but uh, yeah. And and Tessa Thompson also phenomenal actress. So good, um, so so good. I think yeah. Rock, uh, Creed was the first time I'd seen her in anything, and after, after that film, I was just raving about her. And, and yeah, she's really come on since then. She's doing all kinds of stuff. Obviously, she's well, off the fact they all three of them, all three of the main cast have appeared in the M- in MCU films. No, uh, they have since since Creed. Uh, but she, Tessa Thompson, she was in Annihilation. She's in a film called um, Sorry to Bother You, which I haven't seen yet, but apparently is, um, but it looks great from the trailer. And I can't think what else she's doing now, but she's she's kind of one of the most sought-after young actresses. Um, and they, they, she got a better subplot, I think, than than I was necessarily expecting. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Agree with that. Um, she gets to do some singing, and uh, I don't think Tessa Thompson in real life is, is looking to launch a singing career, but she's got she's got some skills. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like I, I could spend the whole film just going through, uh, Creed's and Bianca's relationship, and I'll be happy for mm. that as well. Cause the the it's, it's, the chemistry is just lightning. Like it's yeah. amazing. I love them. I and, love them so much. This is the thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and while this is, I say, hits a lot of the typical Rocky sequel tropes. I, I love Sly Stallone in, in Rocky, but Michael B. Jordan is ten times the actor. Uh, Stallone mm. was, I think, well, not ten times, but he, he's he's a phenomenal actor. And Sly was phenomenal in Rocky. I think 
is doesn't have the range. And similarly, Talia Shire, who played Hadrian in the in the films, is 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 a good actress. She was in the Godfather, for goodness sake. But um, but I think Tessa Thompson has more to do and does it better. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's. I think they know what they're they're doing. Uh, Sly Stallone is back, um, playing Rocky for the eighth time. Wow! Um, and he nails it. I mean, he's, he's yeah. always yes, he's he's so good. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I say I'm I'm a fan of his uh, as much as I've, I've watched a lot of his films, and, I, and I, I I defend him against any accusations that he's he's not a good actor. I think he is, uh, and I think this is this is his role. This is kind of what launched him on the scene in '76 and. Uh, Rocky Balboa, which is the sixth film in 2006, I think um, was a very strong performance. He got, I think, got Oscar nominated for for Creed, and he got, I think he might have won a BAFTA for it. Um, I think I actually think his performance in this Creed was better than the original, the first Creed. Okay, that's interesting. Why is that? No, I just, I just I don't know. I just I just like I just like him, his character yeah, more okay. in this. Like, it's he he's more relatable. He's more. I don't know. I I really can't place it because maybe because the first crew was such a long time ago. But I, I just felt like, yeah. from someone who has not seen any of the Rocky films, right. like I felt more you know in tune with what you know what his motivations are, what 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 he wants to do, and I can understand okay. where he's coming from. Even though I've not seen Rocky Four, um, right? But I can I, yeah, I, I can get I, mean, I I loved him in the previous Creed. Um, I'd say he was better there, but but not by much. Maybe it's just because he got, I mean, he got the kind of cancer storyline in the previous one, which is you get more. It's more of a kind of I don't know awards bait. That seems not to cheapen it, but that's the kind of thing that you're going to get awards for. This is very much more of a supporting role. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he plays this role so well. I mean, he knows it inside out. So why wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. But I, and I really think kind of the old Rocky works. I mean, the young Rocky works as well. But the kind of that, the vulnerability, the loneliness. Everyone that has been close to him has, has left him, or, or, or mostly died, in fact, rather than left him. Um, and he plays that brilliantly. Um, Dolph Lundgren plays Ivan Drago. Um, I thought he was surprisingly good, uh, to be honest. So I, I've not watched a lot of Dolph Lundgren films. Hmm. Um, I've seen all the Expendables films for some reason. Um, <laughs> of course you have. Oh, they're terrible. Um, and uh, yeah, Dolph Lundgren basically, like. like I feel like Jean Claude Van Damme or something like that. He's he, massive action guy, but he was never quite. He was never in the Arnie, uh, Sly, Bruce Willis maybe kind of levels. But he was kind of the next rung down. So a lot of this kind of director video stuff they doing. So to have an actual character, and he was a bit one dimensional for most of it, but I thought he actually did get to bring get some nuance out of it, particularly towards the end. Yes, um, I, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, at the beginning, I thought he was um, he didn't have a lot to do. Like, yeah, it was a, it, it was basically the same kind of uh, uh, character tropes again and again and again. Like his character just felt very static throughout the entire film until the end. But I thought, I thought maybe that's some stuff I'll leave to spoilers because I, I did think the kind of his motivations um, were more interesting than they could have been. Mm. Certainly more interesting. Than, so in Rocky Four, he's just—he's basically just a machine in Rocky Four, and he's—and there are there's the kind of a subplot of uh, it's all steroids as well on Austin. There's kind of a Russian labs and all this, but um, yeah, and he's got his famous line: um, "If he dies, he dies," uh, before he kills uh, Creed or Apollo Creed. Okay, wow. Um, but so, so sometimes I thought in this film he was a bit too one-dimensional as a baddie. Uh, he was one-dimensional there, at the there, beginning. Um, yeah, actually throughout the whole film until the end. Yes, basically until the last ten minutes. Yeah. Um, Florian Muntinu, who doesn't yet glory in a Wikipedia page, um, played young Drago. I, I, he, he was hired more for his physicality than anything else. I yeah, believe. he is flipping huge. He's massive, <laughs> man. He's big. I mean, Michael B. Jordan is a very well-built young man, but he looked like he would be pounded into into nothingness <laughs> that guy I, every time he got punched I thought he was going to go flying out of the ring yeah <laughs> it's a... insane like I can, I, every, every time when oh yeah it, his physicality he, his presence alone right yeah. it's just it's I mean, so intimidating <laughs> if, if you were to tell me that he didn't have any lines in this film I would believe you uh, I can't remember anything he said no um, me, me either I, which was a shame though which I think I think 
obviously the antagonist didn't have a lot to do. Yeah, and to be honest, I think maybe because of they're playing off the Rocky Four, so that that was very much yeah. Drago was this kind of machine, as I say, in Rocky Four. But I don't think that the young Drago is the is the uh, kind of um, uh, the baddie for want of a better word in this. No, definitely it's, not. It's really more of a Dolph Lundgren. Is oh, I mean, is in as much as there is one, which is a shame though, because he just felt like he's just there because um, the story needed him to be in it. It'll yeah. be better if you you know you can see more of his his own motivations alone, rather than just being like you know a tool for his father. Yeah, and and he, I mean, that was just the story, wasn't it? That he, his father, having lost in Rocky Four, was humiliated, mm. um, lost his wife, lost his, lost all respect, left the country potentially, or maybe not. But um, and he, he's using his son to get that back. So I guess that's the kind of, in more interesting subplot he's got there. Interestingly, I didn't know this. Uh, Bridget Nielsen. Plays uh, plays his former wife in this film, coming back from Rocky Four. Okay. Um, apparently, she's the ex-wife of Sylvester Stallone. Huh. I didn't know that. So Small that's interesting. Well. Um, uh, I'm sh- clear they get on well enough that he was happy to yep. have her around. Um, yeah, so, what what did you think of the 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 boxing? Oh, it's amazing, man. Mm. The oh, it's so good. It's so mm. so good. The last the last boxing match is it's. It's equally tense, equally exciting. It's so well choreographed. It's so well, you know. Um, the camera work is amazing. Like, ah, oh, I could feel every single punch. I, yes, it certainly felt real. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not a boxing fan. I don't think you are either. So, no. it, it, real boxing fans might be like, "This, this is completely unrealistic." <laughs> but um, it felt, it felt real. Um, this is one of the big drawbacks of the Rocky films. Actually, is that particularly, particularly in the sequels. Um, the boxing did not feel it, it was ridiculous. I think it was maybe the third one, but basically he just doesn't ever block. So the the boxing match is just each other punching each other in the head over and over and over until someone falls. Um, yeah, and basically I think in real boxing, they'd be down five seconds. Yep. It? Yeah, it's just just headshot, headshot, headshot. <laughs> and, and this was choreographed a lot better than that. Mm. Uh, I didn't. There's a fight towards the beginning of the first Creed film, which I thought was absolutely phenomenal. I don't think this quite reached those levels, but um, but yeah, still is it. This having watched because I watched all the Rocky films in a period of about a week uh, when I watched them, and you kind of there's only so much you can do with a boxing match. Um, and I've watched quite a few boxing matches, uh, boxing films. Uh, so I, I, this one there wasn't a huge amount that I hadn't already seen. I don't think okay. it, it did feel it feel good, and there were a couple of nice shots, particularly when. Um, I think it was in the I can't remember which fight it was but the first or second fight where where, um, where Creed's kind of out for the count or he's always being counted down there was a nice shot there yeah but yeah I mean, it, it, it was good but there's only yeah there's only so much you can do really with, with, with people punching each other you mean yeah so you get the kind of cool slow-mo stuff and you get some nice angles but and I think I, I think in one of the Rockies they tried to do all kinds of weird colour stuff when they like freeze frame colouring I don't know um, which didn't work but uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least they tried you have to get yeah, a point I, for trying. It's been interesting to see uh, if they get any more. Um, so, so the start of the film, uh, Creed becomes the heavyweight champion of the world, um, which was slightly unexpected, but there you go. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't he be richer? His mom is quite rich. She's got loads of money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he lives in a penthouse, right? Didn't they move into a, like a massive penthouse in the end? Uh, in fairness, they did move to a nice place, but yeah, does, yeah. immediately after, it's like you're just in the same flat they've been in before and just going down the local chippy and all that. Yeah, and, uh, maybe it's just convenient to Tesco. Yeah, that'll be it. Do they have Tesco in America? Yeah, well. <laughs> Actually, also, I think chippy means something very different in America. So um, when we have our American listeners, um, I'm not referring to a prostitute. I'm referring to a, a, a fish and chip shop or what you would probably call a... Uh, Oh, fish and fries shop. I don't know. <laughs> Weird, um, but yeah, they, they they flip between Philadelphia and LA. Um, it's nice to see the, Phil- the the rocky steps again. Everyone running up those steps, and yeah. you, you see uh, the Dragos going up those steps. It's it's yeah, it's the most famous scene in Rocky, right? Uh, definitely, yeah. Even and I know fact- that. <laughs> It's slow because because basically every Rocky film features that in some way. So yeah, uh, yeah I've seen the first one does that. He, um, at one point, he does it with a bunch of I think it was maybe Rocky Five. He's got loads of kids running around with him. Um, uh, cause, and then he does it with a dog at one stage. 
But I think it's weird because you, you see just some members of the public running up those steps in this film, <laughs> kind of doing the Rocky thing, suggesting that in the world of Rocky, that shot is also very well known. Um, <laughs> which, 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 is, which, I'm not quite, which I'm not surprised by, right? I mean, if Rocky is as good as he is. Yeah. But I mean, so maybe there's one of the ones where they film him doing it. I can't remember now. But Because um, <laughs> otherwise, did he just tell people, yeah, I, just, I run up those steps. That's what I do. It's great. Uh, so we haven't really talked plot other than those kind of classic points but um, the, the other big thing I guess is is they're having a, a daughter mm-hmm. so uh, um, Tessa Thompson's character Bianca uh, is pregnant so you get them kind of both coming to terms with, with parenthood I thought that was all played well it, yep some of the I did wonder whether they're going to have the kind of kind of argument about how come you're valuing your career over my career um, but that didn't happen though didn't happen um, but then they moved for her career though well they did didn't they mm. um, and I guess it would have been fairly kind of corny stereotypical stereotypical if he, he was like you've got to stay and look after the kid because I've got to train and stuff and they, they didn't go down that route which I'm quite glad they didn't really because mm. um, that would have been quite maybe that's Creed 3 I don't know but that, that <laughs> uh, let's uh, hope that doesn't all. happen man uh, and yeah, we didn't see a lot of her singing, but we kind of get this idea that she's trying to get this career off the ground as well. Yeah, there's some nice. I think particularly because he lost his father f- from a fight. It was it was a bit on the nose, maybe. Yeah, he he lost his father from a fight with Drago, and now uh, he's worried that his son might lose him. His daughter from a fight with Drago. His daughter. Mm. Sorry, daughter. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to whichever small girl was playing that character. Yeah. Um, and I get. I think it was a fun way to lay it out. I think it worked well. Yeah, I think it, did, I think it makes sense. It did seem a bit of basically just saying, oh, you can't fight this guy because you might die. And then, well, he's a professional boxer. <laughs> he's the heavyweight champion of the world. He's going to fight people. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of his job. He has to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know what you mean. <laughs> um, and I, did, I liked the... Because, um, again, this this happened in one of the... Maybe Rocky 2? Maybe Rocky 3. Uh, and Sly says to or Rocky says to, to Adrian, "I never asked you to stop being a woman. Don't ask me to stop being a man." So this same fight, same arguments being played out as there. But I, I like the fact, though, again that Bianca wasn't really that kind of just getting in the way of it. She understood where he was coming from, why he felt he had to do it. Mm. So that, that played well to their characters, I thought. Mm, yeah, I completely agree. I have nothing else to add to that, really. Okay. Um. Rocky isn't his trainer, and then he is his trainer. Shall, shall we, uh, as you say, there's not a lot to spoil, no. but do you want to go into spoilers? Yeah, or? might as well do it. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, so the, the real thing that is a spoiler to me, and I was, it's a really great payoff, actually. So, um, you know, so throughout the film, Sly, uh, to, what kind of B or C plot is him talking about his son who he's not spoken to for a while? Oh, okay. Is this a spoiler? Oh, okay, fine. You consider this a spoiler? Yeah. Well, a little bit. Okay. Um, I'm glad I did. I guess to the extent that I'm glad I didn't know when I was watching it. So I, to that extent, I think it's a spoiler. Because um, actually, it did get when they had that. It got me thinking. Um, oh yeah, he had cancer in the last film, and his son didn't come back. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, but yes, uh, I always pronounce this guy's name wrong. But he's played by um, Milo, Milo Ventimiglia. Yep, from Gilmore Girls fame. From Gilmore Girls fame, and Simon would want me to mention that he's also in. This is us. Thank you. Uh, Simon's a big fan of his character in that, apparently. He died, um, by the way. What? Oh, did he? <laughs> <laughs> Very early on. Okay. Isn't it based on flashbacks? Or it something? is flashback. He's the he's okay. the father of the kids who died. Apparently, uh, best father ever or something. Yeah. Uh, according to some. Anyway, but uh, he played Rocky's son in the 2006 film Rocky Balboa. And so when they had all this talk of, of seeing his son, I was just thinking, oh, I really hope they've got Milo back. Because uh, it would be a nice touch if they've got the same actor. Uh, and then, yeah, right at the, the end, uh, we see him come back. Um, which was edited very well, I thought. This is one of the better bits of the film for me. Uh, against um, uh, the two Dragos, if I remember rightly. Mm. Um, so this is, I guess, what I meant by having a better subplot. So, so yeah, Drago, kind of cartoon villainy, and he's, he even tells uh, his kid at one point to punch Creed in the heart, which is how Apollo died, mm. if I remember rightly. Yep. Um, but then kind of realises when Mrs. Drago, or the former Mrs. Drago, uh, leaves that he, yeah, he shouldn't be putting this all on his son and, and he wants to kind of protect him. And although he doesn't go as far as saying, I love you, that's kind of what he was trying to get across. I think. Yeah, when they run together in the cold. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's love. Um, 
So I thought that was a nice... I was thinking about it, I think. It's, it's, it's only a fairly light subplot. It's only a few scenes. But looking back over the Rocky films, I don't think... I think it's probably the most interesting subplot that wasn't about the lead character. Is it? Um, I think so. Because the Rocky films, they have subplots about the, the wife and the son of us, but they're all kind of... They're all relating to Rocky. So, yeah, his wife gets very ill, uh, but it's all about how he feels about it or whatever else. And uh, Creed, obviously his mum is being kind of those things, but it's all about how it interacts with Creed. And I think, yeah, this this subplot, Rocky doesn't know anything about the subplot, Creed doesn't know anything about the subplot, it's just happening around them. And I thought that was interesting to, to have that added in, because that could easily have been left out. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was pleased to see that. Yeah, I wish they could go into it a bit more, though. Yeah, I, it, you, you have to deduce a lot. Um, yes. So, um, But, I mean, it's, it's not a short film, it runs, what, two and a quarter hours, something yeah. like that? And it doesn't feel... It doesn't feel short at all. <laughs> it, it feels really... Yeah, I think it feels it is the right amount of yeah. Um, I say it doesn't run too long for me, and, and I think maybe if you put in too many subplots, as we know from Fantastic Beasts, oh, that, yeah. that, that can be a detriment. Oh, so that, speaking of um, things um, that I thought was a bit short change, which I didn't like as, as well, is um, the training montage scene. Uh, okay. Um, I I know you saw uh, you mentioned that in all Rocky films there's a training montage, but this yeah. one was just so I didn't like it at all. It felt very forced. Like you, you're talking about Michael B. Jordan's character. Like, um, you know, he was injured. He doesn't want to fight again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Sly goes and you know, try to motivate motivate him to get back into fighting. And then within like five minutes, he was up to scratch. And I didn't like that. It was. I I guess it's yeah. a montage. It has to be short and, <laughs> you know, cover everything within like, yeah. that happens over like six months or something. But I wish they could have gone more into that. Uh, it yeah, didn't feel say, like I've read some good reviews of that, but yeah, I agree. It's it's not one because again, every Rocky film has the training montage, mm. and um, actually, Rocky Four for for all its faults, I think it has possibly the best one. Um, so he's training in Russia, and and it's very kind of they're kind of paying off the the, the Drago kind of very scientific, um, yeah, in a lab against Rocky, just brute. Um, he's running in snow, he's chucking uh, logs around and stuff, and it's kind of just yeah, very brutal russian training and that's that's great but this one just yeah it felt a bit formula they've got that kind of bit where he's oh they've taken you to this outside i know why bit, why why it doesn't well, I, it was an interesting idea i think again it's playing off the you've got to really want it as a montage it was a bit forgettable it, it was yeah it felt like an advertisement for crossfit more than anything else yeah <laughs> yeah maybe they're sponsored um so and and yeah, if you haven't seen Rocky, you won't necessarily know all the uh, the musical cues. Um, oh, but oh, I, I uh, there was one bit in the last fight. Yeah, where I'm pretty certain that was a Rocky team coming out. There were definitely um, so they had the the famous Rocky uh, trumpets, is it or horns or something? Now that was the the, the post. Uh, so they they had that kind of. Um, but then they also have the kind of the, the post-fight victory music. Mm, yep. Um, which, and so because they, they avoided that in Korea, this is partly why it felt very much more like a Rocky. Um, and I think it's difficult to know how much to use those things. So there were earlier bits where they used the Rocky theme, but they changed it, like they made it a lot slower and instrumental and whatever else. So, um, so I think you could quite easily not have noticed it was being played, although I, I did spot it. Uh, whereas this was just full on the nose. It's the Rocky the rocky tune yeah definitely um, <laughs> they're phenomenal and they're great but yeah it's they, they lose their impact the seventh or eighth time around um so um what do you reckon to the the, the future do you think we're gonna get a creed three any ideas i i don't know whether i want to have a creed three to be honest okay. i felt like this was a very good and because in the end i think rocky handed over his his um his reigns to Creed and hmm. I'm, I'm quite happy for this to be the, the final Creed film. I don't need to see more. I think I'm quite happy for it. Is. It's because yeah, because they, they didn't they didn't they definitely didn't lay the trail for anymore. So sometimes in a film like this, you get the kind of and uh, next stuff. Or yeah, you know, this didn't feel like it was going to be post credits. But the, the, yeah, as you say, there were no storylines left hanging. Uh, I I'd certainly watch a Creed three. I would as well, I, but uh, I think. It, I th- yeah, I, I think they run the risk of doing the same thing again. So if there was a Creed 3, I'd want them to kind of go as different as possible uh, from this. 
I, yeah, I guess it, say with, with the kind of boxing film, it's difficult because you always end up with the similar kind of tropes. Yes. Um, certainly, if Ryan Coogler wanted to come back, I don't think he would. But I think if he wanted to come back, uh, I would. I'd definitely watch that. I mean, I'd definitely watch it either way. But I'd, I'd be excited for that. Whereas Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson are too good to do the same thing again. I think. Yep, I agree. I agree. Uh, so there you go. I, I have I have nothing more to say about. No, I, two, I think you should right. watch it. I think people should watch it. Yeah, go and check it out. Um, so we move on then to our final segment. Uh, it's the quiz. Ah, oh, we've made it to one hour, Colin. I was trying my hardest. <laughs> we just had so many Creed thoughts. Um, this time uh, we're quizzing about the films that Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro have done together. Subtly different from last time when we did the films that Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio have done together. I look forward for the next 20 quizzes just being modern <laughs> I need to win this to actually have a chance of winning the year. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, that's if, exciting. if not, it's going to be, yeah, tough for me to come back. Well, impossible, um, not even tough. It's impossible for me to come back. <laughs> that is very tough. Uh, let me start off then. Um, which film opens with the line, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster? Oh, I don't know, man. I re- you know, I've not seen any of these films before. I that's gonna make this harder. <laughs> yeah, so this can be tough. But based on it's either Mean Streets or Goodfellas or if it's something else, I wouldn't know. Um, I'm going to go with Goodfellas. It is Goodfellas. Good work. Yeah, uh, great film by the way. I, I I don't love all these films. I think some of them are great, and this is this is right up there. I I recommend this one. Uh, question one from me is uh, which director who also re- directed the first Mission Impossible film introduced Scorsese to the young Robert De Niro? Uh, well, the first Mission Impossible film I believe was Brian De Palma. So I'll go with that. That's correct. Excellent. Um, here's one I haven't seen actually. Uh, who was the female lead of New York, New York? Uh, Liza Minnelli. Very good. Yeah. Uh, question two. Uh, Paul Schrader who wrote Taxi Driver also directed three other films along with Taxi Driver to make up a series referred to Men in the Room films. Name any of the other three films. I... So he, he wrote Taxi Driver? He wrote Taxi Driver. He and then directed three other films? Yep, which apparently with Taxi Driver makes a series of Men in a Room films. Huh. Mm. I'm trying to think of any film that's got a man in a room. <laughs> um. or, or a night profession. Basically, the, yeah. Okay. I guess there's a lot of those. Um, but I'm... No, I got nothing. You can name The Walker, American Gigolo, Gigolo or Light Sleeper. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Tough question. Um, <laughs> well, we... the thing is, I do not know what you know. and That's the problem. Yeah, for, yeah, I've only heard of one of those films. Um, question three. Um, which film was a remake of a 1962 film uh, with Robert De Niro playing the role previously played by Robert Mitchum? Uh, I should know this. This is the one. Oh, I should know this because I saw this recently. It's one of the more recent films. It's like the 1990. It was before Casino. I'm going to need a more specific answer than uh, that, I'm afraid. Is it The Longest Yard or something like that? Uh, no, it's Cape Fear. Oh, Cape Fear. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Which uh, I would say the first one is, is much better, actually. If mm. you're going to watch one of them, watch the first one, I'd say. Question three. What instrument did... De Niro have to learn to play for the film New York, New York. Ooh. As I said, this is one of the ones I haven't seen. Um, so, it's probably a guitar? No, it's a saxophone. Ah, okay. Uh, question four. What is the name of the film that will reunite Scorsese with De Niro and is due for release on Netflix next year? The Irishman. The Irishman, correct. Uh, this is for you to draw level. Yep. Uh, Catherine Scorsese, Martin's mother, is in many of his films. In which film did she play the mother of the Nero's character? Well, that's a nice question. I know, right? Um, I don't know the answer. <laughs> um, that strikes me as the kind of thing that would have happened in uh, Raging Bull. No, it's in The King of Comedy. Okay. Um Final question then. So you've already guaranteed a victory. Yes. But um, in which film does Robert De Niro star as Rupert Pupkin? That's uh, The King of Comedy. 
It's going to be which is a fantastic film. What, probably my favourite Martin Scorsese film. And my last film, the film Goodfellas, was based off which book by Nicholas Pilagi, but I had to change its name as it was already used by another film and TV series. Wise guys. Wait, I actually know all the answers because I actually know Cape Fear as well when you mentioned it. Yeah, so. there you go. What good work. Um, I yeah. So there's uh, some great films in there. So um, worth checking out. Uh, what so that does that mean that you're level. one behind or level level for the year? Level okay, for all right. So it's a, so it's a winner takes all next time. Yes, it is. It is. And what's what will be the top? Ah, you know, I forgot about this. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but because it's the season, and because we got a lot of listens for our previous one, we're going to do Christmas films again. Christmas films, I like it. I'll have to listen to our previous Christmas films podcast for inspiration. Exactly. Um, what is our main topic for next time, Dijon? It will be Aquaman. Starring Julie Andrews. I look forward to it. (laughs) Bye.